how do you price an ad on your channel? That's probably the most common question we get from other creators. And it was the biggest question we had when we first started on YouTube. So we're hosting a live workshop on how to price yourself. This is everything that we've learned in the past 13 years of being on YouTube and our simple three-step process that'll help you develop concrete pricing. So if you wanna join us for this live session, just go to colinandsamir.com slash live. Enter your email and you'll get all the information about our live event on May 9th. All right, hope you enjoy this episode of The Colin and Samir Show. Hello, podcast listeners. You have Colin and Samir here today. Hey, everybody. To do the intro. It's great to be here. What's happening? So today we have a very exciting interview. This is someone who we came across a little bit ago who is doing something very different on TikTok. Yeah, she's basically vlogging on TikTok. So 20 to 30 posts a day. And it's all about her life in New York City. Victoria Paris is our guest today and she's approaching social media in a way that I haven't seen anyone else approach it. It's very unique. Very forward thinking. So, or at least experimental. Yeah, it's experimental. It's different. She's one of the most unique interviews we have ever had. I think afterwards we had to both sit back and take a second to like digest everything that she said in the interview because it was such a unique perspective on the space. So Victoria came by our studio, talked about how she grew from zero to a million followers on TikTok in I think six months. Six months. Talked about how she views the industry, how she found a manager, how she's navigating the business world of being a creator, which is actually something she's extremely interested in is the business side of all of this. We also covered Victoria in our newsletter, The Published Press, which comes out every Tuesday and Friday. If you're not subscribed to The Published Press yet, what are you doing? You know, you're clearly interested in the creator economy. Head over to publishpress.com and subscribe. Colin, any uh, words of advice for people who don't subscribe? Yeah, what are you doing? What else <laughs> are you doing? Is there anything else to do but subscribe to The Published Press? I don't think so. All right, there is a video version of this episode, which is out on our YouTube channel. But if you're part of the pod squad, the people who listen to this show, thanks for listening. And let us know where you're listening from. I always am curious, like where in the world are people listening to this podcast from? What's the furthest point away from Los Angeles that people are listening to this podcast from? Like, is there someone in Alaska listening to this podcast? Who knows? But if you are that person, or if you're somewhere very far from Los Angeles, Post it on Instagram, send us a tweet, let us know where you're listening to the show from. And now for our interview with Victoria Paris. So you're actually relatively new to social media, at least this version of Victoria Paris. Yeah. What was your relationship with social media pre 2020? I was never really into social media my whole life. I never watched YouTube. I never was like one of those kids. I was a big gamer girl. I played Minecraft like my whole life. And um, when the pandemic hit, I was working at a finance startup and I um, was like, you know what, if I want to further my career in finance, like shit posting, which is basically what I did before, like just memes and shit was like mad incriminating. And I was like, (laughs) maybe I should like go off the grid. And so I went off the grid for like six months and deleted everything. But your impetus for taking up TikTok after that time off of social media was that with a financial plan in mind? I lost my job and I was like, I'm in debt. I need to pay off my loans. I have rent. And so 
I originally paid rent my sophomore year of college by flipping purses online. I used to like also refurb vintage audio and sell it on eBay to make money. Vintage audio? Yeah, like my dad's like an audiophile. So like he like we'd resurface like speakers and shit and like sell it on there. Yeah. And so I'd always been into flipping stuff. Like I love antiques. I love stuff like that. And so when my store died, I was like, it needs a little kickstart. And so I thought if I went back to TikTok, I had made one video on it like a year prior and it had like 80,000 views and I never made a video again. And I was like, I peaked <laughs> after having a thousand followers. My wife, I'm like, this app is crazy. Like I'm not yeah. going to make another video. And I was like, if I can make like thirst traps or like fashion videos and I could plug them to my store and make money that way. And then as soon as the video started hitting, I was like, hmm, I could leverage this for like a marketing job eventually like get paid what I'm worth out of college. And then I was like, wait, this is so much bigger than I thought. And I was like, I don't want to like dilute this by thinking about money at all. Like if anything, like I don't have no clue where this is going to go, but it's worth something. What were those early videos that started to hit that made you think like, wait, this, this may not be just a marketing job, but this could be everything. Well, I think that it's not the videos. It was the array of videos that hit. It was like, I could do anything I wanted to and like people would want to listen or like we're engaged more so just seeing that like people were really receptive to me as a person. And that was really like lovely. Why did you pick TikTok? Was it like out of all the social platforms? (laughs) Yeah. Why TikTok? All these apps are impossible to make it anymore. And TikTok's a high risk, high reward app right now. I think that like I got in right at the tail end and I think that it's really hard to do it again. Right now it's almost oversaturated again. And so I saw that there was like this entry point. So I had slotted out my schedule for my last semester of college to have class for two days a week and work at the finance startup the other three to five days of the week. And so when I lost my job, I was like, the fuck am I going to do for five days? I was like, maybe I'll marathon train again. And I was like, you know what? This app, there's something here. So if I threw myself at it five days a week, 11 hours a day for five months, no way I can't make something out of it. That's interesting. Like you didn't, did you have any hesitation around it being, I guess, quote unquote cringe or you were pretty locked in saying like, man, a job is cringe. Like this, yeah, I don't I was care. So locked in. Like, like, I, I'll I, put myself out there and it doesn't matter. Like if it doesn't work, who cares? Like I hadn't met a single person who I thought was happy in New York. Like that was doing something like, and so like when I did all for me, it was like, I didn't want to have a midlife crisis. So I wanted to start college and work in every field that felt relative to like my passions. So that once I did choose a job out of college, I knew I wouldn't be like, Oh fuck, this is not what I thought it'd be. So I worked for a celebrity stylist. I worked at a startup. I worked as a personal trainer at Equinox. Like my fashion, my passions are fashion, fitness, and finance. And so I did all those and realized, wow, they all suck. Like <laughs> so. And then what I really loved was working for myself. So I, there was no hesitation and no like me thinking it's cringy to do what I love. Was there an element too, though, of like? creative expression and like personal expression that you enjoyed or was it more of I've figured out this app yeah like I don't view myself as creative at all I'm not a creative person like if anything I'm a consistent person I love that that's good I wish I had that like I do it's Mm. that's not me I actually think uh, creatives oftentimes are not consistent and consistency is rewarded in business it's rewarded in algorithms yeah like I'm amazed sometimes some of my favorite artists do one thing like a graphic designer they do one style 
yeah, of like logo the, and they do really well. This crazy conversation the other day and I was like, it does not matter how talented you are. Like there's so many talented people who sign the wrong contract and fuck their career. Like, or who can't think to scale. Like if you're building any business, like even if you just want to open up lo- one location, the goal should be to scale. So many people are talented. So little people have the tools to build a business. Yeah. The consistency point is actually incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. being a creative and we, we always say like there if you can't lock down the process, like it's not going to work in this career, essentially. Like if you don't have a process that you enjoy for creating, it's just not going to work. Like if it's unsustainable that you make like one magnum opus every six weeks, yeah, there's just nothing really there. And Yeah, but right? I also push back on that. And I say that if the process is an elastic, you'll never last. Like what it's like mean? the constitution is elastic mm. for the world that we live in. Like yeah. if your process is an elastic, you'll never grow. Yeah, that's true. Like for me, it's like I got down my process on TikTok and then I thought about my process on Instagram and I kind of like, like, like conversion rates matter and stuff, but like I haven't gotten down my process for YouTube because like right now, like the worst thing you can do is set a precedent and not follow it or like Mm -hmm. not like really like, cause it's a business, like they're all revenue streams and like, I'm not sure what's the best like what to align each app with. Like everything should hold something if that makes sense. How did you figure out your process on TikTok? Cause I used to work in like marketing and stuff like that. It's like in an ideal world, if you had all the money in the world, like you want to put out things and see what does well, take them back and do it again and yeah. continue that process. For me, that's how things work. And so when I was making videos, I was like, okay, I'll make a fuck ton of videos, see what people like, take it back, build the credibility and the numbers and then like continue throwing out darts and seeing what hits and then clearing the board and keep going and that kind of stuff. Yeah, the thing I was amazed at when I first looked at your TikTok was just the sheer quantity of what you were putting out, like your output on yeah, a daily yeah, basis. Yeah. And it really did feel like this essentially fragmented version of a vlog yeah, where I was yeah. watching a day in your life, but I could watch it through multiple frames. Uh, and then additionally, the other part of it that was so fascinating to me was that you were interacting in the comments. Yeah. Like you were actually there with your community. Creating content, it's never been an issue. Like when I was a child, like you give me a piece of paper and tell me to write and I could write forever like I didn't need to stop Mm -hmm. it was I always had like I can like flow like very much talk and create and make that's never been an issue it's just making it like digestible and like makes sense in 30 to 60 to 15 seconds is is a skill and also the comments was a huge functionality I saw people underutilizing I thought it was insane that people with 10 million followers get like 100 comments and I was like, no way do they not read these and they don't respond to them. I was like, it's kind of fucking rude that all these people are like, where's that top from? And nobody responds. Like you owe the people who put you in power, like some kind of answer or some Mm -hmm. kind of dialogue. And I think that comments like YouTube is a perfect example of an app that developed and totally ignored a facet of it that could have been a whole other beast. Mm. Like community, like YouTube is lacking in this community where like you sub and there's no risk or like anything. That's why YouTube's great. Like people subscribe to you and that's it. But like, if you had a reason to keep revisiting the same video and chat forums and shit, like I thought that was, that's been super underutilized on every app. Yeah, I agree. I actually think right now though, like in this iteration of social, monetizing a niche community is possible today. When we first started on YouTube, it was like backed by the advertising business, which was just like, how many eyeballs yeah. do you have? Not how engaged are they or anything like that. Yeah. And so today it's much more like you could do, like you started TikTok with the thought of like, oh, I could drive people to my Depop store. Yeah. That was not a thought 
10 years ago or like even when these platforms, at least like YouTube really first came about. And so I think that's one of the most powerful things today. And when I look at what you're doing, it's like, it is a community. Like when I look across all of your platforms, I find that people are so incredibly engaged with your content. Uh, and that's not actually the case across every yeah. creator, right? Yeah. And that's actually one of the most valuable things today yeah. when it comes to monetizing is people who will actually act upon yeah. something you say or want to interact yeah. with you. Now, I guess technically that would be called influence. I know it's not a term that you, uh, that you necessarily associate yourself with, like being an influencer. How do you refer to this career? Well, like I said from the jump, like I want to make a cult. Like I'm yeah. super interested. Like I'm a, I was a history major in college. Like one of my favorite books is Parable of the Sower. I'm super interested in religion and like starting like communities and stuff like that. And I find that like with social media, like there's no like local allegiance. Like nobody shows up to their mayoral or whatever the fuck elections. Nobody yeah. votes for like their local people or whatever. So like constantly like in history, when you see like a loss in centralized religion or communities, you look for countercultures to find like belonging. That's why you see like crypto kids and astrology mm -hmm. girls and shit like that. And I was like, I literally came out on TikTok recently being like, I don't want that many more followers. Like I, if anything, I want like a million followers on every platform. And I just want a strong community. Like I want other girls to like be able to find themselves in the comments and like find their best friends, which has happened a lot. And I want people to like trust me and like know that I'm a real person because like I am a real person like I'm right here like I want people to understand that like I'm not gonna lie to you like I'm just myself I struggle I have like great points and like I want to share it so that other people can find a sense of belonging or like similarity where does that passion come from is it from potentially like not having that like yeah. when you're looking at content yeah or I just think like growing up I never had like a sense of community like we moved around I never had like a best like a friend group best friend like I never felt like this sense of belonging like I've always been envious of people who are religious or like go d1 for a sport or like have this like really niche character arc or whatever that like is their reason for living like I've always been jealous of that and I'm always been like what's my thing like what the fuck am I doing and now I feel like I found myself in a community of people quick break in the show to talk to you about the sponsor of today's episode Aura Ring Aura Ring records data like your skin temperature your vital signs and your sleep to give you insights on how to live a healthier life now full disclosure when we first started working with Aura Ring and I started wearing this we ended up liking it so much that we actually invested in the company so we are investors in Aura Ring do we have to disclose that yes you do right yes that feels cool it does feel cool so let me tell you why we believe in Aura Ring so much. Aura Ring works with some of the top athletes and leagues, including the WNBA, NASCAR, the NBA, UFC, and Red Bull Racing in Formula One. So some of the things I really like about the Aura Ring, it gives you information on your sleep. And I feel like no matter what you're doing, whether you're an athlete, an entrepreneur, a creator, sleep is so important. Tracking it, getting a score, and understanding how you can improve it, that's really important. Now, additionally, Aura Ring gives you information about your activity and specifically about your inactive time. Like for me, working as a creator, we sit down a lot and we're inactive a lot. The ring is even just a reminder to get up and move mm -hmm. around more often. It gives you notifications, tells you when it's time to move around. And it also gives you these scores that you can share. Like we actually have friends who text us how their sleep is. And it's kind of fun to, to build this culture of just living a healthier life. Like, hey man, how you sleeping? 
Well, 80, let me tell you exactly how I'm Colin, sleeping. That's how I'm sleeping. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like an 84 right now. So whether you're an athlete, a creator, an entrepreneur, or just someone who wants to live a healthier life, definitely check out Aura Ring. The link is in our description. All right, back to the show. Now, you said you held off on monetization, you know, for quite a bit of time when you first started. Um, can you talk through that a bit? Like, was there immediate interest from advertisers and immediate yeah. opportunity that came in the door? I was also making bread off the creator fund for a bit. That's why I was like comfortable mm -hmm. with like waiting. I was making like $500 a day when I was like making like 20 videos a day. Oh, wow. And like, that's like good money. You know, like that's like literally my rent like was like, okay, like that can pay my rent. And I was like more confident then, but then that's why I held off because creator fund was good. It's not great anymore because I don't make as much, but like, I don't care. Like, about the money again. Any like really successful business operates at losses. Like Uber was taking mm -hmm. losses up until this point. Like I was like, okay, well I'll do that. Like who, mm -hmm. like I didn't, I need very little to live. I am so stingy. Like I would like literally had a hundred dollars in my bank account from the majority of my life for like 21 years of living. Like, like I was so broke and I know I can live that way. And like, I was like, so why wouldn't I just operate at losses or like until the right things aligned until like it was just the perfect storm and then strike. But when brands started approaching me in tandem with every manager you can think of in tandem with every agent you can think of started approaching me. I was like, what the fuck is happening? And I was like, I won't move forward until I feel like I have all the information. You see a wage gap when people don't talk about how much they make. And I was like, tell me how much you make. Mm -hmm. I was like, I want to know. And I was like, how much does your manager take? How much is that brand paying you? Like, I'm so like very much like very transparent. Yeah. And so when I found out that like other people were getting like 20 grand on a, on a two day deal or like we're getting like, I don't know, half a million dollars for like a three year long deal. I was like, shit. I was like, I don't care about two grand. I don't care about $200. I don't, yeah. mm -hmm. I care about 20 grand. I care about $200,000. I care about $2 million. And so when I started hearing those numbers, I took my first manager meeting. She's like, so how much do you want to make? And I was like, I don't know, like $300,000. Like that seems good out of college. I was like, and she was like, she's like, you're not, no, like that, you, that's going to take some time. Like that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, and I was mm -hmm. like, I was like, wait, I could graduate college right now and get paid like 70 to 80 K like at a finance startup. And I was like, if you're not like tripling that, it is not worthwhile for right. me to do that. Mm -hmm. And she was saying it would take like three years to do that. And I was like, I could just do a normal job and get yeah. like that money. I was yeah. like, what the fuck are you talking about right now? And then my friends are getting deals for like 20 grand yeah. for like a one day shoot or whatever. And I was like, something's not right here. And then I took another meeting with other managers and stuff. And I was like, something's still not right here. A lot of these kids aren't optimizing they're not operating and are getting paid what they should and when i saw that i was like what the fuck is happening and so i didn't take anybody onto my team and i still only have one person on my team and that's kai and because i read every contract i read every email i do everything myself i made him cc me on every email that involved my name because i need to know that he's working for me and working properly for me because like when you're building a business the goal should be to scale yeah so mm -hmm seeing my dad run his business he optimizes businesses he like bought a business and made it make more money yet he cannot leave the business and have it make money without him right so for me it's like i need to learn how to teach people how to work for me and so with kai i'm going through this relationship he's my manager now where it's like i saw that these other managers just wanted to alleviate kids and like take over their inbox and take any deal and make them like some good money like all these kids seem to make like 50 grand and just tap and like they're like this is great but like i need to align myself with somebody 
yet they weren't going to lessen the burden. If anything, they just needed to knock down the bigger doors for me. When you think about scaling yourself, though, I think that's actually one of the hardest things to do, especially in this industry, because the brand is your name. Yeah. Even for us too, like it's Colin and Samir. So like if we have to be at this show recording, it has to be us. How do you think about how you're going to scale your own name. Well, like I could like just riff right now. How would I scale yeah. you guys? I'd put you into a bar stool kind of thing and I get interns in here. I'd like fucking live stream the fuck out of it. I make a reality <laughs> show out of it. I have like seven different narratives going and seven different kids that want to be Colin and Samir. Put them at each other's necks, make crazy content. You have content coming out the ass. Money, money, money. No, I'm just kidding. Yes, but, but not kidding. Victoria, you got the job. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're yeah, now yeah, our yeah, manager. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. our manager. But for myself, if it was scaling for me, it's giving the people, not the people like, I owe the people everything. I owe them. I lay my line, my life down for them. But like what I am passionate about is business. Mm. I fucking love that shit. And so I can make content out the ass, but I would love to scale is to limit. And so for me, I would love to make content for like six months out of the year and the other six months of the year, throw myself into the business side of things. I think that there's this entitlement to creators online. And that's why we see cancel culture and shit. And like, where we we own them like we own what they do and they must report back to us and they must answer that and like i owe my followers an answer always in like a piece of my life but if they want to see me happy it's me really entrenching myself in the business of things and so to scale ideally it's like i want a million followers and everything obviously but like i want to run businesses like i want to um produce an episodic and season formatting content Mm. like vlog and i want to like have each platform like for me instagram's where you go to like see that i'm pretty and see my style tiktok's where you go for everything and youtube's where you go to get like intelligible thought and realize that i'm intelligent so like every platform has to have a really driving narrative and an an amazing brand around it where people understand right away that's scaling for me and then going to spotify writing a book growing businesses maybe i consult i love consulting i want to consult for more brands so that i can learn what they do and do it myself yeah Totally. I mean, when you think about uh, diversification now and across platforms, but also across business functions and revenue streams, can you paint us a picture of the Victoria Paris business today? Like how much is brand deals? How much is now moving on to, to other facets of the business? And then where do you want to take that from a diversification perspective? Brand deals, I would say, are the bulk of it right now, but I really want to like be getting equity in every business I touch. Mm-hmm. So like I totally blew up multiple brands and sold them out. And yet all I got was like commission. There's commissions, right. which I don't do anymore. That's a small chunk, but good money. I want equity. I want to build my portfolio fat so that I can just chill, you know, and like does, retire. Does, does that push you though to maybe starting your own brand? Hell no. No. You don't want to start your own brand. Hell no. No. I would rather advise. I want like a finger Mm. in every pie. Like growing up and seeing my dad run his own business and my mom's brother like run a restaurant and my grandpa run a restaurant and a business. It's like nobody has fun running a fucking business. Like (laughs) everybody has fun sitting back and weighing in their two, two cents, 10 cents, whatever the fuck. Like in an ideal world, like nothing is me. It's just pieces of me. Wow. That's, uh, that's pretty profound. I like that. I mean, I think though that even running a creator business is pretty intensive, you know? For sure, for like sure, it's, for it's sure. super intensive. And like the fact that some creators launch multiple businesses while being creators, I think is like- But then they're really so shitty. Yeah, they're spread mm-hmm. very thin yeah. to yeah, do that. Because running thin. the creator business is a lot of work 
Yeah, uh, like for me, like Victoria Paris is, is my front end. My back end is my baby. Like the front end like can only operate for so long without yeah. like mm-hmm. feigning for relevancy and like really doing crazy shit to stay relevant. Like I want to age with grace. I want to leave before I peak, like, and then have this back end. That's my life. So that's also producing or to mitigate that is producing an episodic or season formatting. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm like subjecting myself to the internet every day for 10 years, like I would go crazy like that. And so like, if I just give them like six, six months out of the year, instead of like, yeah, the, yeah. my, my career will be so much longer. They'll, they'll, I'll be with them for so much longer throughout their life. But if I give you everything right now, like I won't be with you throughout your life. Like you will kill me. Like literally like yeah, this yeah, industry yeah. will kill you. I think sometimes too, like exclusivity like that, or even like scarcity will, give you a premium when it comes to brand deals, actually. Like if oh you think about God, it, if you think yeah, about going yeah. and like, you can price sure. gouge the fuck out crazy. Like, like, Especially if you go like episodic on YouTube where it's like, yeah. I'm only doing it during this time. Even if you're off for six months of the year, it's like, oh, well we have to get in then. Mm-hmm. It's all about structuring. And I think that's really interesting. Like there's so many different things to do. I also like ideally just want to delete everything like all the sure. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I do that. I do that periodically. And it keeps people like incentivized to come back. Sometimes I give people videos for 30 minutes. Sometimes I give it for 30 days, three months. So there's something that, that we, we read about um, the Victoria Paris effect. Basically this concept that TikTok rewards creators who are skinny, white, and pretty. And I'm curious if you know about that and what your reaction is to that and as it pertains <laughs> to TikTok. Yeah, I was literally like couldn't sleep the other night and listened to this like three hour podcast about it. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like a podcast about? Yeah, the Victoria, Victoria Paris, Paris effect. effect. And I was okay. like, what the fuck? Cause like, I think that in the same way that people thought comments, like nobody was using comments. Like people think I don't search myself up and read it. I read everything. Mm-hmm. I watch everything. Like it's my business. It should be my business to do that. And I think understand. we learned that. That's when, how we got connected. When you made a video like dancing on top of, yeah, I watch everything. You. Yeah, I read everything. Like, the not one thing goes unseen because, like, it's my business to see how I resonate. I care about the community, and it's like shepherding yeah. it in the right way, and like explaining to people, like, if somebody sees the Victoria Paris effect circulating, and I'm not acknowledging it, like, right, how out of touch am I mm-hmm. actually? And so in the Victoria Paris effect, a lot of things that are discussed are that if you are like white and privileged and affluent enough and live in a certain area, like you can drive a creative or a successful creative front, which is correct. Like it is correct that the algorithm is inherently biased and racist towards like the beauty standard and like affluent people, but also the algorithm is driven by us. So we are inherently all not saying that we should be, but like not saying that it's okay because it's fucking not. Like we are, a lot of people are racist and fit the, wanting the, to see the beauty standard. They engage with it properly. And so I agree that like the Victoria Paris effect sheds light on the fact that like if you fit these certain boxes, you are more likely to be successful in these apps. But also if you like break down it even further, it's that like if you find an individual who fits the beauty standard, fits society's like fucked up wants and needs, but then also like talks about their cooter or like their poop schedule. We're like, this is great. This is awesome. And so for me, I see the Victoria Paris effect, me being fitting this trope of like what people want to see. And then also just like, not that at all, Mm. like totally opposite. And so like, I kind of see the Victoria Paris effect that way. I'm not sure that they agree online, but that's where I see it. You've done some content where you talk about things that you're struggling mm, with. Mm. How do you balance 
living your life, creating content, running this business, like, are there things that you struggle with when it comes to being a creator? Yeah, I think that like, for me, like, I have never been happier and I've also like never been sadder. Like the peaks and troughs are so mm. crazy. Like the spectrum of emotions is so insane. Like one day I'll be getting canceled and the next day I'm like getting the craziest deal that I've never dreamed of. Like a company I never, I dreamed of working with like as a fucking like entry level employee and I'm getting like a brand deal with them or whatever, like doing something even bigger, like with them. And so like, that's crazy. Like the spectrum of emotions is crazy. Yeah. This industry is just really, really tough, but like, I'm so glad because I was the most sensitive person ever before all of this. Like you could literally say something slight to me and I would cry. Like mm. being subjected to so much like hate and like scrutiny has made me like such a tough person yet. I still want to be in touch with my emotions and I still want to be human. And so like this industry hasn't necessarily dehumanized me. If anything toughened me up, which I needed, especially as a young woman. Um, and I'm so grateful for like every fucking hate comment <laughs> I've ever received and every hate video. But I'm also grateful for all the love. So like, I couldn't be happier. And like, I think that I'm just at this point where I'm like, okay, I have all the tools. Now what do I do? Mm. Do you think your comment section is a better place now than it was like three, oh four God. months ago? And how, yeah. did you, how did you do that? The internet has turned to such a dark place because we let it. Like the fact that Addison Ray and Charlie D'Amelio let them let their comment sections do what they did. If I had a 13 year old kid and they went on the internet and thought it was cool to comment some of those things that they did, like I would literally like rip them a new one. Like you're not allowed to do that. That shouldn't be viewed. That shouldn't be normalized. And so I took it into my own hands and spent hours a day literally curating my comment section to create the conversations that are worthwhile mm -hmm. because now I get one, one thousand, one, like, like barely any hate because I feet on the ground, finger on the fucking comment section, deleted every single hate one. You can create a discourse on your own page, hating on me. That's your prerogative. That's the internet freedom of speech, bitch rock it on. Like, I don't give a fuck. Not in my comments. You will not like, I won't let you do that. I will create space for like constructive conversation and like a loving safe space or whatever. Like I love yeah. that. But like, it took a lot, like it took a lot out of me to do that, but I did it and I'm happy with it. And now the conversation is kind of neutral. Like it's like, everybody's like, just, I love you. You're so pretty boy. because I haven't really shown much of myself again. Like I kind of reverted for a little bit. But again, I want to like broach larger subjects. Like I saw this comment the other day being like, these montage videos you make are the best. Like I, I, I'm, I'm dreading the day you go back to your fucking delusional rants <laughs> and your crazy conversations. And I'm like, oh, just wait, bitch. Yeah, like these coming. shower thoughts are about to hit yeah. different. Like, you know, like this is literally a safe space. I can say whatever the fuck I want. Like, I think that like the precedent that was set was so disgusting and negative and that the app itself should have put it on themselves to control the conversation. Like we see Mark Zuckerberg in these fucking crazy government like meetings and shit, like being like, I, I don't know what I made. Why didn't you control it? Mm -hmm. And I've seen so many other creators do it now. And it's like, for the sake of like any other creator who comes after me, like, I hope like to have helped them a little bit. Like, yeah, yeah. I think it's a, it's definitely a good thing to normalize. If you think like this is your business, this is your company and your comments are a space within your company, truly. Yeah, you're and not like, allowed to play again. Imagine if this was a physical space, like in our office here, we would never let 
nip it in the butt. People yeah. talk like that. Right? Yeah, literally. Like when you put it into a physical realm, it's like, oh, that's a no brainer. I would never let that person say that. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, at the time, like people are like, this bitch can't keep blocking and deleting comments. And I'm like, but I can, like, this is my full-time job now. This is my business. Like yeah. I will make it my business too. And like now I barely have to do it. It's crazy. What type of conversations do you want to happen? Like what, what do you want to spark when it comes to conversation? Columnist people used to like write in to mm -hmm. women mm -hmm. and men yeah, yeah. and whatever and answer their questions in newspapers. And so I do Q and A's and they always hit really well because it's just like me and the questions driving the conversation. And so if I could have you write into me weekly and like, I'm hopefully you're maybe working with <laughs> on like a, we don't know, <laughs> but like in an ideal world, it would be like, you know, the Victorians write in and like every week we have a, a, a like it's like a write in and I answer your questions and we talk and I catch you up in my life because life's moving like this and I want them there with cool. me. Like and that. you need a reason for people to sit on the edge of their seats besides a compelling guest. Yeah. They are the guest. This is about them. I like yeah. that a lot. That's really cool. The Victorians, by the way, are your fans. Yes. 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 I don't think we had, we, we contextualized that. Yes. I, people think I'm a fucking narcissist. I did not pick that <laughs> name. I did not. We had a whole Instagram poll. We went through a week of Instagram polls and that was the name they chose. So I went with it. Hey, it's also, it's not that outlandish in like today's yeah, social yeah, media yeah, landscape. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, it makes sense. I love it. The Victorian era. Bring it on. Mm, that's good. You mentioned a bit of like having dream brands that like you, you worked with. Can you talk about some of those brands? Uh, and are there yeah. still brands that you're like our North Star brands for for your well, Victoria like not only like dream brands to work with. Like everybody always dreams of like working, like being a runner and like being an athlete. I always dreamed of working for Nike, but like yeah. it was like inconceivable. Like I don't know who the fuck works at Nike. Like I didn't know anybody, and um, so I always dreamed of like working for Nike or something like that. And like now, like literally sitting in conversations and consulting for Nike, I'm like this is sick. Like they want to hear yeah. what I, a 22 year old has to say. Yeah. That's really cool. Colin texted me uh, maybe a week or two ago and he was just talking to me about how you have some content that's like team Nike. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I was like, man, that is so aspirational. Cool. Yeah. Like yeah. Nike is such an aspirational I think, like, brand. In our first company, our, our North star brand was like, we just want to work with Nike and they yeah. weren't even yeah. like in lacrosse yet. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Well, well, when we got to work with them, it was like one of the coolest, the, the biggest points of validation for us. Victoria, any questions for us? Oh yeah, oh while we're gosh. still rolling. Yeah. So how are you scaling? You <laughs> can answer that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, you know, a huge part of us kind of shifting into this format has been um, to allow. First of all, we love this. Like talking to and interviewing creators, I think one of the best things uh, in the world. It's like the, the place where we're the most happy. But because we've been in the industry for ten years and we've built a career and now have kind of reinvented a new career. This thing is like so fulfilling to, to have ideas and bring them to life and just do it together in this space is, has been really fun. And we have a big mission to kind of educate and create a space for the future creators to understand how to build their business and how to create their own version of fulfillment out of this. And that's a lot of, I guess, everything that we do is through that lens, through almost like an educational lens. And we have recently gone into written content, which is something that we do. Um, it's like a biweekly newsletter mm -hmm. that we put out that's kind of educational in the way it covers the news. Uh, we do consulting with brands uh, about how to work with creators. And we try and kind of immerse ourselves in this, uh, in the creator economy in a way to support the growth of it as a whole. Right now, what I've noticed with creators is there's no, there's no like Googling, like how did Olivia Rodrigo get started? 
I don't fucking know. Right. How did Addison Ray like I had this whole like preconceived notion of how she started on TikTok that I just took and ran with. Sure. There's yeah. no conceptualizing how people start in this industry and like the actual roadmap. Yeah. But you guys do a really good job. Of Appreciate that. that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think what I learned about you today, I didn't, I could have never known. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't know where yeah. to put it. That's why like I love taking interviews That's, and doing that. Yeah. I mean, this, this to me is like what I wanted when I was first starting out on YouTube. Yes. Mm -hmm. I wanted to listen to how other creators had started because all you saw was when they were in the press or whatever. Yeah, they're in yeah. the press and you're like, maybe that's not me. Maybe I can't do that. But when yeah. you hear other people talk, you're like, wait, no. Or it's like, they don't look like me. They yeah. don't sound like me. They're not oh, where I I'm from. I didn't have that at all when mm -hmm. I was growing yeah. up, right? Like my path when I was a young kid, like I wanted to be a storyteller. I wanted to be in entertainment, but in, in American entertainment, there was no one who looked like yeah. me. And outside of uh, Apu on The Simpsons. And that was the narrative when I was a kid. Yeah. Like that's who people connected me with. Yeah. And- like now today, that's one of the, I think the most powerful things is whenever I get like Indian kids in my DM just being like, yo, how'd you do this? Yeah. Like, it's super cool to see you doing yeah. what you're doing. What I, like just all that means is just doing whatever you wanted to do. It's literally democratizing the tools, like, mm -hmm. like breaking people open and allowing them to connect, even though like we are whole people, but there's pieces of, of us that can connect and help each other. So it's really important to do that. So I'm glad. So if someone is just discovering you, let's say maybe even from this show, like how would you describe your brand and, and what's to come? I'm still not good at answering that question. Like if somebody's discovering me now, like it's just cause I said something compelling and then you want to see more. That's it. And that what's to come is more compelling shit. So keep listening. That's an amazing place to end. I don't think yeah, I don't, we I can don't add, add anything. Yeah, I don't want to add anything yes, on top of that. Snaps. <laughs> Uh, amazing. Well, thanks awesome. for thanks for coming Thank by. You this for was amazing. Me. Uh, let's go get some vegan food, huh? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs>